2: They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.
3: The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Delivery, bringing you the food you love.
1: hello everybody and welcome to episode 162 of the stacy west podcast i am ben and gaz as always is with me how you doing mate you well
2: i'm very well thank you it's not as always though is it because sometimes jake's here well, you, you're gonna have to yeah. you to have to change your opening gambit. Um, yeah, yeah I, <laughs> I'm not too me, bad. As,
1: as sometimes is Gary.
2: Yeah, I I feel a bit old today, if I'm honest. Right. I've
1: Why? Because um,
2: well, obviously I do the the, the the project with the Year Nines at the Priory, and today we were at the media suite at the University of Lincoln. Ah, okay. I had to wait outside the L pack for um uh, for the kids to arrive. Arrive. I was kind of sat for 10 minutes surrounded by university students, and I don't think I saw one that I thought looked like they'd done their GCSE. <laughs> and I think that that is kind of an indication, isn't it? You know, when you were older and like your grandma or whatever used to say, the police are getting younger every day. I, I just think people are getting younger every day, generally. It's like, wow.
1: <laughs> like some weird Benjamin Button situation.
2: Yeah, 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 exactly. I'm the only one in the world who's, well, not the only one, you as well, obviously, and several others who are getting older, Um, but, (laughs) yeah, because I don't venture into society, so when I do venture into society, it's a little bit of a culture shock at times yeah. so going to the football like, you see the same people every week and you know like if you're a fat bastard and you're trying to lose weight every time you look in the mirror you look the same as you did the time before and it's only like taking a photo at the beginning or the end you'll go oh wow i have actually made a difference if you see someone every day you don't notice any change like like rach won't notice you growing older in mm-hmm. her mind you'll always be the same Ben that she was that she was you know first attracted to and now but when you only went went to, to go to the football is different because i see every. Everybody all the time, but going into society generally, like once every six, eight weeks or something, you really, you really do begin to notice things. So here we go. Life yeah, philosophy. It. <laughs> that
1: just sounds like you've been let out. You, but it, it, you've it, just it, been let out into society.
2: Yeah, it's a bit like that, but it's kind of a. I live up in here in self-imposed exile for a reason uh, because, you know, although I, I come across, I, I would hope as a kind of a. A polite and friendly man and welcoming Uh, yeah I'm actually a miserable bastard uh, (laughs) who doesn't like the general public when I interact with individual specific people within the general public I kind of yeah I like those people but generally like the people you don't know if you walk past somebody in the street I don't like people I don't like how people react to other people yeah I don't I don't I don't like it I was walking into rugby co-op earlier and that guy just barged across the front of I me. Mean, I just i just thought you are an arsehole. And, and I park on Rumbold Street and kind of came out to Rumbold Street. And you know how you've got the, the, um, the Achievers drinking special brew at two in the afternoon. And that. I just, just look I think, oh, God, i tell you what else. Did you see that? I'm on a bit of a rant now. Did you see the Lincolnite headline yesterday? The woman that had fallen over in the pothole in Sainsbury's car park in January no did you see that right no. honestly i know this will give traffic to the lincolnite but you should search it. right so she's fallen over in sainsbury's car park in january And she's done a story now. It's cock compo time. You know what it's like. I I, I commented on it. Grifter's going to grift because obviously the energy costs are going up. But as part of the article, they got her to lay down as if she had just fallen over (laughs) next to the pothole. And it's not a pothole, by the way. It's a dip. It's an actual dip. So it's not something that she stubbed her foot on. It's smooth sides either way. And she said, oh, I've got to see a specialist about my knee now. And I'm just looking at her thinking, do you know what? Society would be better off without you. You're the type of person that other than producing a, 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 a news report that I'm going to read and go, wow, and I thought I was a wanker. That's the only positive thing that came <laughs> out of it, because it, it makes me realise that actually I'm not. Do you know what I mean? Because when I see stuff like that, I, it just.
1: You God, would love, you God, would absolutely everybody. love the Facebook page, Angry People in Local Newspapers. Seeing it, it. Is,
2: yeah, I'm, afraid I'm on it, yeah.
1: yeah. It's brilliant, it's just a full of compo stuff like face. That. Yeah. Compo face
2: and done. Know, a and what makes me even, yeah. And what makes me m- even more angry is that there, there was a company I left once. I won't say the name of the company, but I left the company uh, because I'd hurt my back in a uh, yard. I'd been left on my own in a depot. I was doing the counter, the yard, everything, just for an hour, mm. and I hurt my back. Now I got a pre-existing back condition, as everybody knows. I eventually had an, uh, an operation on it, and they were shitting themselves when I went off sick because they knew that actually. There was a claim there. I could have sat down and gone, "Yeah, that was the first time I hurt my back, and now I've got loads of problems." And if it had gone through to me having an operation, I could have rinsed them, I mm. could have rinsed them dry. But I'm not like that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That woman sat on her ass next to what she claims is a pothole, and looks more like just a, a general indent in the road. You know, if she had been that, if she, she would have gone into that meeting that I went into at the Jute, ju- not juice, and just you know, at some unspecified place that I've worked <laughs> in the past, she would have gone in in a wheelchair, wouldn't she, with a brace? <laughs> on. I, uh, like anyway, some sort of
1: wrestling well,
2: storyline. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Like the only fools and horses. Have you seen the only fools and horses? Where Dell goes on the hang glider. Yeah. And he comes yeah. back because they say I'll never walk again. And then he he jumps up and grabs Rodney and goes I'll never walk again. <laughs> kind of like that. You can imagine her going to Sainsbury's. Going I'll never walk again. My suggestion is stop wearing ugly boots. I think they're to blame a little bit. Shadow <laughs> boots. I bet when she stands dead straight. I bet they're off centre. You know how cheap Ugg boots, the heels go inwards and eventually it looks like you're walking on the side of the Ugg boot because they're not going to be proper. Well, well she's UG got a pay boots, for Otherwise somewhere. she wouldn't be grifting. Well, she wouldn't be grifting in a car park, although she was at Sainsbury's car park, which is interesting. I just wonder if maybe Waitra, not Waitra, Aldi had run out of fags. <laughs> don't know if Aldi sell fags. Anyway, yeah. So all that came from me sitting outside the university. Cool. Yeah,
1: I mean, yeah, we're, we're six minutes in and, and we've talked about uh, a woman falling over in a car park. That's, that's the kind no, of
2: quality no, part. a woman claiming she's fallen over in Sorry, a car park yes, and then okay. recreating it purposefully by laying down next to the hole. It's very, very different.
1: <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, but no, no, I I've, 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 uh, I've, I've had my first actual proper music gig in, uh, well, since the start of, uh, of, of the pandemic on Sunday. It was bloody brilliant. Okay. Uh, Went to see uh, Alkaline Trio and Taking Back Sunday on Sunday. So, yeah. Oh, okay.
2: I, I, sorry, I didn't realise
1: it was 2010. Yeah, well that's the thing. Like everybody sort of said that. It's <laughs> like you know what happened there, but no, genuinely great gig. And I fell over at that gig because there was like a load of stuff on the floor that uh, I went to put a I went to put a drink down and um, slipped on that. But
2: I'm not. you what know, On the I'm not floor. Gonna... Why are we putting a drink on the floor? Put it on the table. You minimise risk.
1: Well it was it was an empty empty cup and I went to just put it down by the side because there weren't any bins because it's a gig venue and um, as I went to put it down my foot slipped and uh, yeah and I'm not I'm not lying down in uh, Brixton Academy with a photographer saying I want compo but uh, anyway I think you'd
2: have a good compo face. I've got a great compo face. I think you know. you've got a good compo face. <laughs> I don't think I could I think I'd look semi ironic. <laughs> And you said semi-erotic, huh? Imagine well, that. I, semi-erotic I was going
1: to say I, I, thought, I thought that's where you're going with. I was like hmm, okay maybe not um, But we should probably talk about football um, yes. And it's, it's a bloody good place to start this week Isn't it guys Because we had quite possibly The best home performance that we've seen From the Imps in a very long time on Saturday um, I think we both said on last week's pod Going into it um, that you know we had, uh, we didn't really see us getting anything from the game, um, but um, we did in quite some style, didn't we? What what an afternoon that was!
2: Yeah, it was. Yeah, we're going to start the pod on a high and go downhill from there. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, yeah, great afternoon, and and I was incredibly pessimistic beforehand, uh, but. It's easy to be, I, I said it on so many different outlets, it's easy to be affected by what's gone immediately before. Um, and and it, it, yeah, it's almost kind of like, to, to coin an analogy, if you're walking across Sainsbury's car park and you fall over in a pothole, when you get back up, you're kind of looking for the next pothole. Um, <laughs> and, and it's like that when you if you're walking along and you suddenly fall into a Gillingham-sized pothole, uh, when you get back out of it you look at the next one coming up, Sheffield Wednesday, and think, well, I'm definitely going to fall over here, aren't I? And uh, they were on a great run of form. They've got some very, very good players. Uh, and then when the team came out and you go in right winger, uh, left wing back. Um, mm. But actually, you know, hats off to Michael, because I think going three at the back gave us a, a, a real stability, which putting Tuesday aside... I think longer term, I think it will it will bode well for us when we have the right players in the right positions. So um, yeah, it was, it, it was a good afternoon that started incredibly well uh, and got better from there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that I I don't necessarily think anybody would have had us down to be one 0 up after five minutes, but you know that's exactly what happened, and it it stemmed from mine. And I think your man of the match, um, in Lewis Fiorini who had, you know, to my mind, it was his best game in a Lincoln shirt, um, bit of a pot shot from outside the box, forced the keeper to work. We won a corner, you know, corner came in and I think it it would potentially be a fortuitous assist from, uh, from Morgan Whittaker, but you know, hits it and it ends up at John Marquis's feet and uh, he does what he does best. So, um, yeah, great start. Great start to the afternoon. Um, and I, I think to be completely fair to them, like, you know, Sheffield, Wednesday go- uh, Sheffield Wednesday's goal was was a decent one. You know, it was a decent equaliser. Um, you know, people would, would pick up on the fact that, you know, got he, he's, well, the player's been allowed to run for quite a distance before a challenge comes in. And then he's sort of jinked across the tackle. Um, put the cross in, but really, really nice finish, cracking cracking goal in my opinion, um, but you know, I think Michael said afterwards you either let the ball go or you let the man go, um, and you know, I think a <laughs> bit of a tacit endorsement there to say oh yeah, you know, just smash the man if you can't get him, if you can't get the ball off him, but uh, yeah.
2: yeah. Michael actually stopped short, didn't he? He just stopped short of saying that yeah. Um, because I think he thought he might get into trouble. But what I'd say is Marvin Johnson who did that run was somebody that I think we were, were quite close to signing over the summer, from what I understand. Yeah. He's previously worked with Michael Apperton at Oxford, he had a very good game. Saido Barino, yeah, we know all about him, or you certain general football fans do. You know, he's valued at twenty four million at West Brom. Spurs were interested. I think Stoke City fans would be surprised to know that he finished a dinner, let alone a a cross with a volley. Because um, he was quite well known for not scoring a goal in about two or three years, I think. Uh, But Mm -hmm. he was a constant thorn. And And actually, I thought, in the first half... Wednesday gave us the good as they got. I thought one one was a fair result at half time. I think when you look at their players though, Barry Bannon, who's got no right really. He's got no place in League One. It's like it's yeah. like a dad playing in an under thirteens game, you know, <laughs> with the, the effortless ease with which he plays the game. The other midfielder Luango, um or Luongo, who was at Queen's Park Rangers. I mean, I remember writing about him as you know, the best player Queen's Park Rangers got by a mile in the championship not long back. He was actually quiet, but you know, on their day, really, I, I actually think Sheffield Wednesday are underachieving. I think if all those players were in, were deployed in the right positions and were playing to the best of their ability, that squad is a top two squad, when, uh, without a doubt. And and then think of the players that they can bring on, the likes of Lee Gregory came on for them, I think, didn't he? And um, Edley and Palmer, started, they've just got such a good squad. So it was a real testament to the bravery of the players and to Michael's tactical uh, decision that we went in level at half time.
1: Mm. Yeah and I you know I think yeah one all was a was a decent result at half time I, I don't think there was any complaints. Um I think Sorry you know, just
2: to correct you there there's no such thing as a half time result. Half time one, score, one, one score line. 1-1 was a half time score line the result comes after 90 minutes. I, I just I don't want you to embarrass yourself in public uh, by saying that again so I'm just you know I'm always I've, I've been teaching year 9 students and uh, this afternoon they wouldn't make that error so I don't expect you to
1: It's all right. I'd I'd never make an error such as getting the wrong goalkeeper for a game. Um,
2: (laughs) And I didn't even pick you up on it. I know. I didn't realise. That was amazing. Just very quickly, I made a severe error earlier. It'll make you laugh and we can carry on. Uh, I cooked a wedge, some wedges to go with my vegetable lasagna for dinner, and I picked one off the baking tray thought that's going to be hot reached over and put it on the side but then put my hand in my mouth and bit my finger uh, as if I still had the wedge <laughs> in my hand as if the two things were independent of each other so anyway that's pretty good half. <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> yeah I mean the second half was uh, was was just something else wasn't it um, came out and there was that, that real sort of fight intensity to the, to the play um, and you know I think having two up top with two players, of you know, with the experience of, of Tom Hopper and John Marquis. I think the thing for me is that you, you don't see, you don't see those sort of old school strike partnerships anymore. Um, for the most part, you know, you don't see like Yashira and Sheringham and, and that sort of, you know, top two. But I think having two players of that quality up, up top, even though they weren't necessarily linking off each other and, and you know, um, playing the way that you expect a, a strike partnership to play. I think they were both excellent in their own right. And that was summed up for me by Brooke Norton Cuffey's goal, because some really good work from Regan Paul um, puts the ball down the channel to Tom Hopper, who did well to stay on side, gets to the edge of the box and he just takes a second, looks up and, and instead of, you know, putting it straight into the middle, just sees Brooke. Coming towards the edge of the box and plays a perfect pass, um, and what a finish it was! You know, the, I think he's only just turned 18. um Brook Norton Cuffey. and yeah, the composure that he showed to to stick that away was uh, was great, and you could see what it meant to him, you know, all over his face. Just fantastic finish um on that one. I think the other thing as well for me was when you watch the replay of it from the other angle you see how much it means to John Marcus as well because he's sort of in the middle and I think there might be some players that would celebrate but potentially be a little bit miffed that they didn't get the ball played to them but you look at how much that means to John Marcus when that ball goes in and it was fantastic absolutely yeah great moment and um, I thought to be honest we'd shut up shop at that point Um, I know you said in the in the piece that you'd sort of Thought well, two all will be a good result, but I thought we'd potentially try and close up rank, you know, close ranks and, and try and see the game out at two one. But that wasn't to be the case, was it?
2: No, I mean just to pick pick back up on that goal, you're right, it was a great goal, and uh, I I actually like Marcus's run. And when you've got two players in the box, make, make a defender um, choose where he's going to go because last season when we were playing one up top. Popper makes that run to the byline, pulls yeah. it back to Brooke Norton Cuffey, unless the attacking midfielder has made a run into the box, the defender stays where he is or he goes to Norton Cuffey and it becomes much more difficult. And even three games ago, that's the decision that you're kind of not making the defender make, if you know what I mean. Whereas, yeah. actually, when Marquis is running into the box, like you said, I said, I thought they played pretty much independently of each other. And I'll have a look at the passing, actually in a minute and see the, the amount of passes that were exchanged between Marcus and Hopper and, and, and just see if that was a, a kind of a popular um, uh, partnership. But actually, it, it's not always about what you do with the ball uh, in terms of a partnership. And I think that was probably classic when you think back to like Beardsley and Cole. You know, Andy Cole very, very rarely passed a beat with Beardsley. Very, very rare. But they were a lethal partnership because you make a defender make a choice. And I think that is something that we can hopefully take forward we didn't do any of that on Tuesday we'll come to that that later we we didn't do it because I think the two players that were there were probably the wrong combination but in this instance it was very much the right combination Mm. and as you say for 2-1 my first thought was I'll take a draw here brilliant because I thought Sheffield Wednesday would come on to us yeah but actually we we pressed them in the right areas we we didn't force them into many errors they didn't they didn't make quite as many errors as, as, as you might as I might have um as you might have thought, uh, but then we got the third goal and that killed it off, and again, mm. it was it was intricate passing in a tight area, uh, lovely little touch by Connor McGrandles, yeah, and he's got that in his locker, we see him at the moment as that holding midfielder, because that's where he's having to play in absence of Liam Bridgott. but actually Connor can play further forward, and he has got a, a really nice range of passing when he does so, uh, and then John Marco is finished, like a player who is in form, and, and that bodes well. And okay, again, we didn't see that on Tuesday night. We didn't carry that over, which is a shame. Um, but you know, he hasn't scored for a few games. There was just beginning, I think, one or two people to turn—not like, against Marcus, but it's very, very easy for for reaction to turn quickly when you think he scored three and three, and then didn't score his next five games or whatever. People, I think, were just beginning to go, "We haven't got anybody to put the ball in the net." And then phew, a brace, and he's shown that he can. And do it so you know yeah. I was delighted I was delighted to get the third goal and even when the third one went in my very very first thought was I hope it don't finish three <laughs> three
1: yeah I mean I think you know I, I I didn't see that happening I thought maybe Wednesday we would get a goal back but I think the confidence seemed to be there and it seemed to be quite high among you know obviously the players and, and the fans as well I think the the atmosphere on Saturday was was superb um, from start to finish and I think you know having having a convincing home win um is something that we've you know having a home win is something that we've missed but having a convincing home win was was something really that you know was well overdue and um yeah for me but like i said i think man of the match for me was was fiorini um which i think you said you know when you've got somebody that has scored two goals and you know you've got a a, a teenage right back that's or right wing back sorry that's uh, that's banged in a, a stormer like that. You know, I don't think you can I don't think you can probably you know fault anybody for picking either of them for man of the match, but yeah, Fiorini for me, he seemed to win everything. Um and he seemed to just kind of be the one that was pulling the strings behind the front two. Um and uh yeah, I I, I was really impressed with him on on Saturday. Um and thought uh, I don't think you could really pick somebody that had a, a bad game. To be honest with no. you, I think everybody worked, you know, well with each other.
2: Yeah, I thought so. Here's here's a, a really interesting um, stat for you. How many passes do you think John Marquis and Tom Hopper exchanged between them? And it can be Marquis to Hopper, or Hopper to Marquis throughout the ninety minutes against Sheffield Wednesday.
1: I'd probably say about five. Two. Oh, wow. There we go.
2: Yeah. And also, like you say, it was a great result. Nice to see us win heavily at home. Do you want to play a quick game of fact or myth? Go on, then. Good. I'm pleased you've said that, because otherwise my uh, preparation would have been wasted and I would have had to have forced it on you rather than... <laughs> uh, rather than. Expected.
1: I mean, it's, so, it's not like you mentioned it before the before we started recording either. So
2: Exactly. So here we go. <laughs> I have got... Uh, I've taken some... Figures without looking at the figures beforehand, I saw three statements on social media that I just questioned. And I thought, is that fact or is it myth? Hence, fact or myth, obviously. (laughs) So the first one is, and this came at Sheffield Wednesday, that's what happens when you pass forward. Okay, saw that on social media 3 1 win, that's what happens when you pass forward. So did we make more forward passes against Sheffield Wednesday? than against Gillingham, Bolton or Doncaster. So, on average, I mean, you know, if one of them is out, fair enough, but on average, did we make more forward passes against Sheffield Wednesday than the three pre- previous games? So, is it fact or myth? I would probably say that that's a fact. That, my friend, is a myth. Wow. Uh, okay. We played 117 forward passes at 57% accuracy against Sheffield Wednesday. Against Gillingham, 183 forward passes at 63%. Against Bolton, 147 at 71%. And against Doncaster, 165 at 69%. We played significantly more forward passes in all those other games and with quite a significant percentage success rate difference. So -hmm. that's one point you haven't got. And your aim here is to get one point. Uh, (laughs) We'll say two points because that makes it... Very hard. touches in the box okay so sheffield wednesday and lincoln city i read genuinely now it, it's kind of these two statements are connected but that's what happens when you get the ball in the box so how many of the three games before sheffield wednesday did we have more touches in the box in okay if any or did we just have more touches in the box at sheffield against sheffield wednesday
1: i'm going to say two of the previous
2: three you're nearly right. It's three of the previous wow. three against Doncaster, 34 touches in the box against Bolton, 19 and against Gillingham, 20 against Sheffield Wednesday with we 18 touches in the box, 18 touches. Mad <laughs> last one. And this is, this is the one that sparked it actually. It's the one I've saved till the end. That's what happens when you put crosses in the box. Genuine, hundred percent. And I thought, okay. okay, that's good. So fact or myth. Did we put more crosses in the box against Sheffield Wednesday Than all the others Given
1: how annoyed it's made you to come up with this feature I'm going to say it's a myth
2: It is a myth It is a myth, kind of uh, <laughs> We put fewer crosses in the box against Bolton 13, 4 were accurate uh, Against Sheffield Wednesday We put 15 crosses into the box 4 were accurate Against Gillingham 16 crosses 5 were accurate more crosses into the box against Schillingham. Against Doncaster, 24 crosses into the box. Six were accurate. So that was fun.
1: Yeah, well, there you go. It just kind of, it's, as you say frequently, you know, it's a game of perception, isn't it?
2: It is a game of perception. Now, if, are you ready to segue? Yes. How do you think those stats rate against Ipswich? I don't know. Actually, more forward passes against Ipswich, but not than Bolton, Doncaster, or Gillingham. Uh, in terms of attacking, far fewer crosses into the box. We put seven crosses in against Ipswich, with not one single cross landing uh, and touches into the touches in the box. A tragic six, <clears throat> which, when you consider, we had thirty-four against Doncaster. We had six touches in the box against Ipswich. And what's even more incredible is that people said the Ipswich game was just a return to normal. If it was a return to normal, we would have had somewhere between 19 and 34 because that was the spread of touches in the box against Bolton, Gillingham and Doncaster. We had six. It wasn't a return to normal. There we go. I mean... Do you you know the last game, we had fewer touches in the box? Uh... No. Unbelievably, it's the fewest touches we've had in the box all season. Wow. Okay. Uh, Hang on. Yeah, nine against Fleetwood. But there is one game where we've had exactly the same. The only other game where we had six touches in the box was when we won 3-1 at Sunderland.
1: (laughs) There we go. But like... Let's, uh, you know, let's, let's sort of put, you know, put Sheffield Wednesday to bed. I mean, you know, I say it was a fantastic day, fantastic result. And it it made for, you know, a hell of a weekend for a lot of people. Um, I think the obvious feeling was, you know, we can, we can carry on that to to Tuesday night. We can, you know, go to Ipswich and get something from the game. Um, Personally, I think it, it, sort of made Tuesday night a free hit didn't it I think it was we didn't expect to get anything from Saturday uh, as fans you know obviously internally that the, the club may have been thinking something differently um, but I think with Tuesday night Ipswich being you know the form team in the division um, I think it would have been extremely optimistic to expect anything other than than what happened and um, and yeah i mean coming away uh, coming away from the the team selection at least you, you sort of look at it, you go right well it's it's obviously the same uh, the same like well the same formation but a different personnel uh, slotting into the positions so I, I i i'll be honest as soon as i saw the lineup i, I wasn't overly op- you know i wasn't overly optimistic we'd be able to get anything at all um and 20 minutes or so or 20 minutes aside in the first half. I think it was probably a fair score line to go in at a half halftime. Um, you see, didn't say result. Um, I think it was a fair score line at half time. It, it did have that feeling of, you know, is this going to be a cricket score coming out of it um, when we went in? But, you know, um, yeah, I obviously, you know, not that many touches in the box and not that many, um, Well, presumably not much possession because I know we didn't have a huge amount of possession in the whole
2: game. But uh, yeah, how did you see the first half, Gaz? Um, I'm going to answer this literally because I've got quite a funny story about it. Uh, But possession was 55 to 44, um, by the way. So actually, we had more possession against Ipswich than we did against Sheffield Wednesday. (laughs) Um, (coughs) So... I'll tell you how I saw the first half on iFollow, but um, I wasn't going to. Right. Because I, 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 I'm, on, I'm on a little bit of a health kick. So i had done my run, and it got to just, just before kick-off, and I was just dabbing my, my dinner kind of thing. So I thought, do you know what, I'll listen to it on the radio tonight, and then I'll watch the highlights back because I can watch key areas back on White Scout and I'll do my write-up tomorrow around those – and I listened for the first 15 minutes and Jimmy Walker had me convinced because we were playing well mm. on the radio. And I thought, actually, I'm going to want to write this up tonight. And yeah, I'm not writing up from a radio report because there's no point in me writing up from a radio report because it's a radio report. Do you know what I mean? It's someone else's opinion and I'm not going to read hash someone else's opinion so i decided to subscribe to iFollow and by the time i'd got my laptop open and my second monitor plugged in and i'd got um i'd got a feed uh, they were just celebrating their first goal um yeah. so uh so and it was your fault. <laughs> yeah I, I just got settled down and they scored the second and i'm like oh, um yeah no. <clears throat> which was on the side it's clearly on the side um adam jackson's definitely playing him on um do you know i thought we poor against a very good side i don't think we were awful i don't think it was a shambles or whatever words everybody desperate to make this game as bad as the last i went into it positive actually because again i've got that you know oh i've just come out of that sheffield wednesday pot hole let's jump into the ipswich one and i thought oh we can we can go and do something here um first 10-15 minutes i thought we would and uh, to be honest ipswich got their second goal and and i don't Think they were that brilliant after that? Don't think it's which would all that. I mean, people saying, "Oh, you know, it could have been, could have been much worse. It could have been five, six nil. We were really worried about it. They had fourteen shots on goal, three on target, and of the three on target, two of them were their goals. Um, Gillingham had more shots on target when they put when we played them, and I think it weren't in that
1: good. My my take on that <laughs> would be that you know, once they've gone two 0 up, I. I got the feeling that they didn't really think we would be able to offer too much of a threat. And I think it was, you know, I d- it was a walk in the park for them. I don't think they needed to to kind of push on and, and attempt to get a third. So, you know, it, it felt a little bit like they'd taken the foot off the pedal. Um, and then, it, you know, towards the end of the first half and then, uh, then, you know, Michael made a change at half time. And I think that kind of shored things up a little bit, um, but not necessarily, uh, it didn't necessarily give us the impetus that we needed to to go on and uh, and get something from the game, um, and yeah, that was that was just my take on that one.
2: Yeah, I th- look, I think first off, if you looked at how we set up, we we seemed to set up to me in a in a three five two. So mm-hmm. the three across the back remained the same the whole game, which in itself is is kind of a little bit positive and And not we on Joe Walsh will come into that and TJ TJM will full mm-hmm. across, and um, and uh, and there'll be changes. there. Uh, McGrandall's holding midfield are great I, I, Chris McGuire didn't work in midfield for me it didn't, it, it just didn't work uh, yep. at all um, I thought he was the worst player uh, on the field only just pipping Liam Cullen who I thought was anonymous uh, there was once or twice in the first half where it looked like Whitaker and Cullen might link up you know a little ball all in at one lashed wide and i'm, I'm not going to pile on morgan Whitaker. i don't think he was in the worst two players worst two lincoln city players on the field he didn't do some of the things that you would hope that he was going to do but actually when you look at his numbers and when you look at his stats for instance i think on sofa score or who scored he was lincoln's man of the match um, yeah. which is going a little bit far yes to be honest <laughs> it's, it's kind of going a bit far uh, but I think he had a better game than at least Louis Fiorini, Chris Maguire and mm-hmm. Liam Cullen. I don't think it's a lack of effort on any of those players' halves. In the second half, when we came out, we, we looked to be a little bit more like a 3-4-3. So we actually looked like we did go and, uh, and try and attack a little bit more, believe it or not, because it didn't happen that way at all. Um, but he pushed Morgan Whitker into kind of the what was the Brennan Johnson role last season which was kind of playing in the 10 role uh, Mm -hmm. but with two strikers but again Maguire was one of those strikers never it just it just didn't work it didn't
3: Mm
2: -hmm. work for Maguire Uh, and it didn't work for Scully when he came on either Scully's the darling of Lincoln City and I, I kind of get that he's like he's like the modern day Harry Anderson you know we love Anthony Scully because he's got that I don't know he's got that whatever it is that Harry Anderson had do you know what I mean? I, I kind of it's hard to put into words. Yeah. Actually, actually since he's come back from injury, um, he's not been great. And you know, there was times where he was was running into the channel, and he had got can't remember who on the outside of him, and he just didn't. Brook on Coffee, I think it was. He just didn't play the pass. He mm. didn't play the pass. And, and and I think there was poor decisions in key areas going forward, that you, know, you don't want to be making on Saturday. Um, mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, can't disagree too much though. So I, I, I'm, you know, I said at the time, I'm, I'm with you on Whittaker. I think, um, you know, playing, and as you said earlier, you know, when he, we saw where he was starting against Sheffield Wednesday, playing a right winger, at left wing back, I think it was a, it was a difficult thing for him to to do because he's, you know, he's not, he's not defensively minded. Um, you know, obviously we saw that the other week, but I think having um you know having a player there you needed somebody with that natural left foot which is obviously when cohen came on and i think with you know it seemed to shore things up a little bit um and i think whittaker started to to carry on doing or look like he was going to be doing things that he was doing against oxford and sunderland you know he he started to to find the pass he started to beat the man and and things like that you know um i
2: We, we created more with him at left wing back and not Cohen on the field. Do you know how many chances we created in the second half against Ipswich.
1: Not many. One. Yeah. In the that 96th was, that was in the, minute. i will say that was in the, you know, in the injury time, wasn't it? Yep. No,
2: we didn't, we didn't have. So had, had we not had that chance in the last minute, we would have had the same XG as Manchester United had at Man City. None. Zero. That would have been a woeful. It was a woeful, woeful half from both teams they only had five shots one on target it, it was just a slog a slog to watch because they were they they set up with five at the back you know they they play their five three two and and um, that was how they finished the game they came they they shuffled it about a little bit on uh, on 60 minutes and just played with formations they had one up top early doors they finished with two up top but they never went they never went on to kill the game off Mm. They got their lead and then they defended that lead and respect to them. They they did that very, very well. But I keep seeing things. I think Michael said one of the best teams in the league. And for me, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. I think probably when I, when I say that, I don't want to sound cruel to it, which mm. they did what they needed to do to win the game. And maybe that's what the best teams do. Were they the best yeah. teams in terms of creating and free-flowing football? Not for me, no. Uh, mm. But were they one of the best teams in... The whole package, getting the goals, getting the results, controlling the play, possibly. Yeah, possibly
1: they were. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, the most important thing from Tuesday night is that, you know, I said this at the time, we didn't beat ourselves. We didn't hand Ipswich goals on a plate. You know, we we didn't cock it up from a simple pass that that got misplaced and immediately got snapped upon and, and rifled into the back of the net. I mean, I did see somebody trying to say you know that the first goal was um was on Whitaker, and that's not used to you by the way um you know I saw some other people suggesting it, and I thought, well, no because if if that pass that Whitaker tried to make came off, it would have been genius, but unfortunately it got intercepted, and you know that then started the move, but I think you know you, you brought it up when you said there was there were things in the middle of that that should have been potentially cut out, and I think what Ipswich did on Tuesday night was that they they identified the weaknesses and they exploited it rather than waiting for us to make a mistake. And as I said, just handing them two goals. Um,
2: Yeah. Do you know what you made? uh, I'm going to I'm going to shock you here. Um, (laughs) You made a very, very good point a minute ago. Um, I can't remember what it was uh, because I then went to research something else um, <laughs> but you're right we didn't beat ourselves we didn't beat ourselves and it was nice to see and that's the second game in a row uh, that we didn't do that and it's great let me ask you who do you think played was the most inaccurate with their passes on the Lincoln City side on Tuesday night Ooh.
1: Um, I would potentially say Louis Fiorini
2: was second worst. Okay. Morgan Whitaker was third worst. In terms of accuracy alone, I'm not talking number of passes, it's 65.5%. Brock norton Coffey.
0: Okay.
2: Was the worst. Now, again, it, it's kind of down to that, that perception, isn't it? Which of our players, I mean, it's, this is a little bit unfair, so we'll take the two centre-forwards out. But which of our midfield players, who are expected to be playing the ball forward, do you think played the fewest forward passes? Uh, I mean, it's so out of Maguire, Fiorini and McGrandles, isn't it?
1: I think in that situation you'd expect it to possibly be McGrandles, with them, you know him, him potentially having more of a defensive manner about him.
2: If he's more defensive, he's probably going to be playing forward. No, that's more, true. You not expect yeah, McGrandles played. Uh, and it's per 90, it's worked out. So, uh, you know, it's kind of, and we've played 100 now over many minutes, so it's all a little bit uh, odd. Uh, but McGrandall's played 12 forward passes. Luis Fiorini played nine forward passes. Chris Maguire, six. Wow,
1: OK. And, and obviously, th- c- to be honest c- with you, of, of the three, I know, you know, you just said that with with... McGrandall's there being you know, more defensively minded you'd expect him to play it forward more personally I would expect Maguire to be playing those balls forward Who more might. because he's the one that's got to be that link between the, the two strikers
2: Who played the most back passes? Uh, no idea Maguire 10 10 backward passes now if you're going to ask me what was the one fundamental th- thing we did wrong against Ipswich it's not going to ball forward enough and, and as a, it's, a, it's a basic thing to say because they started with, you know, they were very defensively organised. They they, they marshaled us very well. But I would want the player that was expected to be creative in that position to have the fewest back passes. And, do you know, of all of the squad, Luis Fiorini only played three back passes the entire game. Three backward passes. Now, he didn't have a good game, Luis Fiorini. He didn't. He was he was a little bit anonymous. Um but you know he still played however many forward passes nine or whatever he didn't get on the ball anywhere near enough mm. um but people criticize that we go back to often morgan Whitaker only played four backward passes so actually fiorini and Whitaker are not the ones that are playing the backward passes it was maguire and then tj omer was next mm. so it, you know the thing is it's easy to break it down the fact of the matter is in my opinion and. Um, I can be. You know, I'm sure this isn't exactly what happened, but it's almost like we sacrificed Tuesday. It's almost yeah. like Michael sat down and went, "Well, I want Joe Walsh to play against Wimbledon because I need him. Mm-hmm. Tom Hopper, we need him. We need you know, that that two up top was beginning to work. Even yeah, even if they're not linking, they they ask questions. So I'm going to need Tom Hopper and John Marquis. Yeah, and I, I said this to you off air. I'll say it again. I would have been tempted not to play Conor McGrandles. It was a stupid booking he got against Sheffield Wednesday, by the way, for arguing or, or whatever it was. It was a stupid booking that he got involved with. Uh, and that booking has now cost us because we go into the Wimbledon game without our two best midfielders in Conor McGrandles and Liam Bridcutt, and that is a concern.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean when it,
2: you when, when you look at
1: I was gonna say yeah it it, it was it, it just seemed to be a silly a silly set of circumstances on Saturday and then you know he he does like to get stuck in a bit magrandals when it's you know when it's kicking off and i just think it 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 almost seemed to be he was walking on very thin ice from the start of the game on tuesday night and yeah just it would be nice if he was uh, if he was available on saturday but uh, not to be
2: yeah, actually, do you know what? I've got Chris Maguire's stats were even worse because he came off after seventy-one minutes, didn't he? And yeah. they were by, so he actually played fewer passes than the ones I've told you because they they were working out per ninety. He was very, very poor for me on Tuesday night, Chris Maguire. Yeah. very, very poor indeed. Yeah, uh, I mean, well, I've, I've... go on. But he's a, he's a thirty-three-year-old man, uh, and, and no disrespect, playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, and you know, I just again, I just wonder, I personally. Think we've got to play him against Wimbledon because we lack we're going to lack any experience in midfield whether it's Sanders, Sorensen, or whatever he chooses to do, Teddy Bishop. Mm. But going forward, Rotherham next week for me, time to put Chris Maguire on the bench for for a game. I think, um, mm. yeah, almost certainly.
1: Yeah, no, that can't can't disagree. I think he he seemed to have one of those games where he, he sort of drifted, um, you know, just through the game. Um, I think the game happened while he was on the field rather than him, you know, being actively participating in it Um, for some of it, which sounds a bit harsh. But, you know, like you say, didn't have the best of games at all. Well, he um,
2: wasn't against one of his former clubs. Yeah. And,
1: I, you know, I did make a, a sort of bit of a jokey tweet about it and said, you know, can, is there any chance that Sunderland could potentially hire Lee Johnson back before the home game? Because uh, <laughs> it seems like that might be what's needed to fire him up. But Yeah. Um, we-
2: Talk about touches in the box, by the way, didn't we? Yeah. Do you know which player had the most touches in the attacking box for us? Uh, I'm going to say Brook Norton Coffee, even though yeah. I know that's probably wrong. No, it's not Brook Norton Coffee. Yeah, there we go. According to the, according to the stats of defender. Although I'd have to question those because I don't see Anthony Scully on there. And he definitely had a touch in the box, didn't he? Mm.
1: Yeah, at the end. But, um, I mean, look, it it, it was a, it was a difficult, performance on, a difficult evening on Tuesday night. I think, like you've said, it, it almost seemed like we'd said, right, we'll sacrifice Tuesday in order to, to get everybody fit and have a, a, a good chance of, of being Wimbledon on Saturday. And I know that there are people out there that are saying, oh, why didn't we play Hopper on Tuesday night? Why didn't we play Welsh on Tuesday night? Look, the fact is that we played three centre-backs on Tuesday night, which is not an option that we've had for a vast part of the season. And we're complaining that we've left one out. I, that to me felt a little bit, a little bit, you know, short sighted um, because obviously, you know, we, we want Tom Hobb to be fully fit on Saturday. We want Cohen Bramwell uh, to be fully fit on Saturday and we want Joe Walsh to be fully fit on Saturday. And I think if you're risking those three players for a full 90 minutes on a Tuesday night, you know, when Tom's just come back from a long-term injury, Cohen's struggling with his knee and we know that Joe Walsh is made of glass. I don't really see what other option Michael could have potentially had on Tuesday night to to put a squad out. And obviously, you know, knowing I think that Connor's now going to be, uh, you know, Connor was is now going to be suspended for Saturday, I think that's likely why he brought Lass Sorensen on um, for the last little bit. And I think, to be fair to him, I thought Lass Sorensen, you know, he made a few good challenges and he, he started putting himself about a bit, even though he wasn't on the field for all that long. So I think that potentially signals to me that he's going to be starting on, on Saturday um, in place of Conor Um I mean, yeah, what what would you think, before we obviously go into to looking at Jake's preview, but who from Tuesday night would carry through to Saturday, do you think?
2: Goalkeeper. Uh, Regan, Paul, I think he'll go Adam Jackson and Joe Walsh across the back. Bramall's fit. It'll be Bramall on one flank. We Norton Coffey on the other. For me, in midfield, I know you mentioned Sorensen. He probably will go Sorensen. Um, I would like to see that as Max Sanders in that mm-hmm. role. I think you only need to play one player in front of the back three. The back three will give you the added protection. Then you go more attacking. Probably be Fiorini, Maguire. And then um, on the flank, uh, I with, go with, with the two up top, sorry, um, which would obviously be Marquis and uh, Hopper. So that's the way I see it. Um, yeah, like you say, bringing Les Sorensen on probably was an indication of that. I, I just think recently Max Sanders has had the opportunity, he hasn't done badly. And it was said to me today that I can't understand how Max Sanders gets slated for slowing play down and for sideways passes. And actually, the midfielders, certainly Maguire and, and, and to a degree, De McGrandall, you know, slow play down and against Ipswich it was the case and the case might be a necessity it might be a necessity that that, that there's a wall of blue in front of them and Ipswich did defend very very well and to talk about touches in the box against Ipswich and compare it to something like like Doncaster probably is very unfair because you know I always say to people who say our oh, Lincoln were crap one weekend and great the other weekend. You know, it's it's not like they were playing the same team under the same conditions. And so how the other team play is something that we never factor in. And mm. and you'll say like we said about Ipswich, go, oh well they they played well and then people say, Well, oh, it shouldn't matter what they do. Yeah. Of course it does. They're fifty percent of the fucking game. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So I but I, I, I think how how those players Sanders and uh, Sanders doesn't get a game because apparently he slows the game down or he's too he's not progressive enough seems very very unfair um, and I, 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 I would play him with I, you know, in an ideal world I, I'm going to sound like I'm down on a certain player I play Fiorini and Bishop mm. personally as the other two midfielders because Bishop can transition between the two he played very very well at right back for a while he's shown that he's got that kind of defensive as well but it will probably be Maguire and Fiorini and I, I look like, people criticised Fiorini on Tuesday and you know, as good as he was on Saturday uh, people said he was that bad on Tuesday I don't think he was that bad I think the game just passed him by a little bit uh, yeah. I certainly don't think it's a lack of effort uh, I'd like to see him in because he's shown against Sheffield Wednesday a couple of good efforts from outside the area you know forcing the save at the beginning for the corner that led to the goal and then his other effort the other end was on the highlights if you can get him in that position he'll have a crack um, yeah. and, and that's what we're going to need to do. We're going to need to test Wimbledon. We're going to need to get balls at them. You know, they're they're a team that have won two league games since we played them last. Yeah, two league games they've won. They haven't won a league game since the seventh of December. Um, they were knocked out the FA Cup by Bore and Wood. Uh, they're on a run at the minute of of uh, one uh, two points in four games. You know that, that AFC Wimbledon. N- was February uh, so in their last what one two three four five six in their last seven games they've only scored in two of them uh oddly <laughs> against Sunderland and that was a penalty uh and then when they drew two two against Doncaster who who as we know are woeful mm-hmm. other than that you know they've drawn nil nil with Gillingham they've lost one nil uh, away at Wigan two nil at Plymouth Bolton beat four nil Rotherham beat one nil um They've been on a stinking, stinking run, and I look at their squad, I know we'll do Jake's rundown in a in, in a second, uh, but I look at their squad, you yeah, know, there's only one player that jumps out for me. I mean, I quite like, uh, to be fair, maybe not, I quite like Radoni, and I quite like McCormick, who kind of play in almost like a double-ten role behind, uh, behind Sam Cosgrove. Um, I've looked. Liked them on occasion, and if anything, actually, they'll win the game in the midfield because with Alex Woodshard in there as well, and on paper, they have quite a decent midfield. But ah, just, yeah, Sam Crossgrove, Cosgrove plays up front for him, um, scored a lot for Aberdeen 31 in 79 or 80 games for Aberdeen, uh, scored two in 17 for Shrewsbury, and hasn't scored in eight for, for Wimbledon, online from Birmingham, so. Yeah,
1: it's. I mean, let's. You know, I, I just want to sort of put put a pin in in Tuesday and just say, you know, I think ultimately.
2: I've moved. I've moved on.
1: Then. Yeah, I know, but I, I, I wanted to just bring it back slightly because I know there were some there were some eyebrows raised, shall we say, as there usually seem to be at the moment um, by some of the comments in in the post match press conference, and I think, I, I you know. I don't think we were utterly abysmal on Tuesday night, and I think you've said pretty much the same thing. I just think we we were genuinely, in my opinion, you know my opinion, beaten by the better team um, on the night. But yeah, moving on to Saturday. So, yes, Jake has done a preview for us. Unfortunately, at the time of recording, he's not sent the file across yet. So uh, you'll be hearing this at the same time that we
4: will. What do you think the reason is for this sort of up? You know, the 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 bad form. Obviously, last year you had. Joe Piggott to, to put the ball in the back mm. of the net. It doesn't seem that you've got a figure like that. You know, you were relying on Ollie Palmer, which, as we know, yeah. can be a bit of a liability. I yeah. um, what what's what, is it just you can't score goals? Is it you, you concede them maybe three or four a game? What, what what's the crack there?
0: Well, when when Pigott left, uh, we were told sort of straight away that oh we're not we're not going to replace like for like because we simply can't afford to. And any player in League One who could score 20 goals won't be coming to us because they'll have a long list of clubs ahead of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mark, Mark Robinson was quite brave and said to us, well, the goals are going to be shared around. And early in the season, we had something like 13 different scorers. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, maybe he's right then. But then we did go through a real bad patch where we just couldn't score. Um, and that tended to coincide with Ollie Palmer and one or two others being injured. Um, and the spine of the side really is just based on like maybe four senior players. And at one point we had three of those out. So we did start fielding the youngest team in the league and it did show opponents have said to me, well, it's like watching us play a under-23 team in the Papa John's trophy. And yeah. yes, it must have been for them because that's that's how we had to line up. But um, has Olly Palmer been a big miss for us? Yes, he has. We we did get him, I think, as as fit as he could be and started to see the results and then of course you know Wrexham dangled the carrot and off he went which i don't blame him for but i mean they they just put an offer on the table which transfer fee wise i think we could have rebuffed but i mean Mm. the the personal terms that he's supposed to be on we just cannot get get near that so that's life just
4: just in terms of uh, of, you know speaking about the youthfulness i think I looked at the stats and I think Lincoln and Wimbledon had the, two of the youngest squads last season in the division, which is really impressive, obviously, for both teams to stay in the division. Obviously, we went on and got into the playoffs, but you touched on Mark Robinson there, obviously not massively well known outside of the, the AFC Wimbledon sort of circle, as you will. Um, obviously, this run of form is going to sort of maybe get its critics. I know Michael Appleton is oh. severely under a, a, a bit of pressure at the moment, Um Mark Robinson, is his job under any scrutiny at
0: all? Are there other supporters calling for his heads, or, or, or are they all fully behind him still? I think openly and loudly, no. And you might think that's that's amazing given the run of form that we have. I think people are trying to see what he's what he's trying to do. And one or two exceptions, I think we got beat four nil at Bolton, three three nil at Oxford. But recently, when we have lost, it's only really been. By the odd, the odd goal most of the time, and people talk about like fine, fine margins and stuff, but literally nothing has gone, gone for us lately. So every day or every game that we have, you think this, this might be the time where we get the, the one 0 win with a goal off somebody's backside in ninety <laughs> minutes, but it just never seems to, never seems to, to happen. And you're right, it's a, it's a combination of us struggling to score goals a bit and being a bit naive at the back coming I mean, up. I didn't go to Plymouth Tuesday, but I saw the goals and they were, they were pretty naive. So So there we go.
1: That was Jake's preview there uh, with Ray. Thank you Ray for doing that. And Gaz is no doubt going to pick up the fact that I didn't know who it was until he mentioned it uh, in a bit that I've just cut out, but you've uh, done it, but there we go.
2: Now you've done it.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I did it to, you know, slightly save face, but from a Lincoln perspective, how do we see Saturday going Gaz? And, you know, uh, we've mentioned what we think the lineups potentially going to be. Um, do you think we'll continue with the same setup, or will we revert
2: back? It will continue with the same setup, to be honest, because I think we're looking at this, the battle for safety, which we are still in, and it's a must not lose game. And what's the best way not to lose the game? Play three centre backs, uh, certainly with the lack of holding midfielder. I don't think that Michael will will change it. I really don't. I don't think he's going to go to Wimbledon and go, ah, oh, whatever. Let's just go for it. Uh, because yeah, if you if you open up against Wimbledon, they've been involved in in some high scoring games. Uh, this season there was uh, Morecambe, they won at Morecambe 4-3, they drew 2-2 with Sheffield Wednesday, they beat Crew 3-2, 2-2 with Fleetwood, beat Cheltenham 4-3, 2-2 with Wickham. Do you know what I mean? If you open them, go for it, That they you can go the whole to and from. Um, they lost 3-2 at, at, at Charlton, so actually it could be a really open game. I get the impression they don't defend particularly well. I get the impression that they, they do have goals in them, even though the last couple of weeks it's really been AFC Wimbledon nil um, on the score line so yeah Michael's going to look at that and I think he's going to go well we can't underestimate their threat because make no mistake people will tell you this is a must-win game this is not a must-win game and we, I, I'll have this debate with anybody if it's the last game of the season and, and you're two points outside the relegation zone that's a must-win game this isn't this is a must-not-lose game you lose this game and what they're 36 there's suddenly some two points behind us it's squeaky bum time once again if we win this game and you go, what are we five points clear of Wimbledon at the moment? Yep. That's what I'm working on. So we'd be eight points clear of Wimbledon we with a game in hand. Great. So you know, people will say it's a must win in terms of the gap that it will open up between us and, uh, us and Wimbledon. Um, but actually it's not, it's just a must not lose. We can't go there and lose. Uh, and that's the key. And, and interestingly, people say our away form saves us over our home form. Actually, we've, five away and at home we've drawn okay. four away and at home uh and the difference is we we'll play three more home games and away games so we've lost 10 to 7 but if our away form really is better than our home form which at the minute actually is not it's comparable but uh we go to this and we win this if we win it brilliant but it's just the must not lose game that's mm. what i'm saying
1: yeah, I do, you know, I know you don't like me using well you don't like anybody using the phrase must win for reasons you've just described, but yeah, I I think this no. is going to be this is going to be um one that you know, I think three, three points is is uh, you know, more than uh, more than desirable, shall we say. Yeah. Um yeah. coming away from it, I think um I think yeah, if we if we go at it with a similar intensity to Saturday, I, I don't think there's going to be much question um, in, in coming away from it with, with something. Um, I, I think, you know, I, personally, I agree with you when you say about giving Sanders a go in the midfield, but I just think having, you know, having last come on on, on Tuesday night was to me, that was a, a bit of a statement to say, look, he's going to be on uh, playing in place of Conor McGrandall's on Saturday. Um, obviously we've got uh you know Tom Hopper's coming back in, and he'll be fresh for the game. Um, and hopefully, we can, you know, see doing him doing what he did on Saturday. And you know, he like said Marquis pulling defenders away and, and giving a little bit of space to other players. So,
2: let me tell you what the result will be now. I'm not going to like this. I'm a. It's going to be one all. Nailed on. Do you know have many games Wimbledon have played at home this season? Seventeen. Right, 17 games at home. Do you know how many they've drawn? 16. No, that'd be ridiculous, Ben. Uh, (laughs) 11, and there is not a single other team that have drawn 11 games anywhere. Cheltenham have drawn eight away, is the next highest, Mm. Uh, and the next highest at home is Cambridge on seven at home, level with Ipswich. The Wimbledon draw at home, they've only won two at home all season, which is fewer than any other team in the division. So if they Word of eaters, it would be um, it would be worrying. I'll be honest. Mm. Uh, but if they get a goal, we know what they do because we give them the penalty at our place, and then they just shop shop, and we can't undo that. So if they score first, we're buggered. I think if we score, we know first. We know we're always going to concede. Um, so I'm going to go us to score first and draw one on. Okay,
1: I I am hopeful that, you know, this is going to be a rare clean sheet. And uh, we didn't actually mention um, Jordan Wright's performance on Tuesday night. I thought he looked uh, he looked capable. He looked solid. You know, I think um, seemed he, to,
2: had, one, he had one save to make.
1: I mean, in terms of – let me finish. Um, you know, he, he seemed to command his area very well. He was out very quickly. Um, I think one criticism that people have had about Josh Griffiths is that he tends to – be quite quiet and and stays relatively, you know, in his six yard box. But I think um, Jordan, Wright, There was a moment um, late on when I think a ball was, ball was played through and it looked like he ran out past the edge of the box to watch the ball come back in, um, which kind of, you know, put the striker off and, um, and, you know, just made a little bit of a moment of, of indecision from him, which, um yeah i, I like to see that on tuesday night i thought that was uh that was really good but um
2: i'll, yeah. I'll concur um i mean there's a little bit of as he did only have one say to make which he made i don't think he looked like a player making his debut um, no. and he's a big tall lad as well i'll take something that's the only thing that holds sam long back is his height and sam long's in the goal he looks like a kid in goal. he's got to grow a bit. jordan Wright came on and you think do you know what? Even if I lived in one of those houses with really high ceilings, you could change the <laughs> light bulb without a ladder. Kind of like that. Do you know what I mean? He's the sort of person that the old lady goes in Tesco and says, excuse me, son, can you just reach that on the top shelf? Whereas, yeah. you know, maybe with Sam Long, she would ask him if it was on the second top shelf.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I think he, he looks solid. I, I, I would hope, you know, that Saturday will be, uh, be his first clean sheet for the club. Um. I, I just, I, I want Saturday for a multitude of reasons obviously I'm a Lincoln City fan I want us to win I just hope that you know Saturday is the one is is the game where we do build on last week's result you know on, on against Sheffield Wednesday we do kind of have that moment of just writing it off on on uh, Tuesday night and saying look we needed everybody fit for today so like you said we sacrificed the game and you know tonight is or Saturday is is about getting all three points so hopefully we can do so um I just hope this is the you know the start of the the moments when we start to realize oh hang on we probably will be in this division next season so yeah I'm gonna go for a a 2-0 win I think we will get a clean sheet and I think we'll get a couple of goals to go with it so uh that'll be fun that brings us to the close of a Wimbledon preview is there anything else that we need to talk about guys
2: I don't think so no I can't think of anything I can't even give you an update on what I'm about to eat for dinner because actually in about 20 minutes time Dave and Chris are coming round and we're going to smash some pool walls about which um, I've been quite successful at pool recently yeah so you've said (laughs) (laughs) Unbeaten in the unbeaten against Gillingham after Gillingham. I'm not against Gillingham. I didn't play all of Gillingham at pool obviously. Um, can you imagine? I bet <laughs> if Gillingham were play pool, I bet all they do is at the whole game when they. That's the sort of football. That's the sort of football they play. Negative. I bet. I bet they try and snookier from a break. I can and just smash imagine
1: over Gillingham the head with a cue after the game.
2: Oh, I mean, that's casting aspersions on them, but yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> I played Dad after the Chef Wednesday game, and uh, it was very close until the final frame. Uh, final we played seven games and it was like 2-2 two, two, and then it went to 5-2 so so it wasn't close at all <laughs> it was it was 2-2 two, two at one point that's close yeah you can't get closer than 2-2 two, two. you can't get like 2.1 and 2 because that's not as close as 2 and 2 is it
1: yeah but if you if you go if you start drawing you know if you go two all in a game and then you come away saying you know with a 5-2 win you will not say that the game was close will you it was up until you scored three goals yeah but you're talking about the final result here, guys why
2: you score all three goals? Like 8, nine, 90 and 91. Doesn't matter. And it was 2-2 up until the 90th minute. You're telling me that's not close? Tell that to Real Madrid. i tell you what, next time you see my dad, you tell him it wasn't close. Real Madrid won. <laughs> I don't understand that reference.
1: Uh, they were 1-0 up and they conceded two goals in two minutes last night.
2: Real Madrid did? No, sorry.
1: PSG were 1-0 uh, were up and then Real you Madrid You are
2: a of contradiction and, and you're telling me about a competition I don't even care about. <laughs> Song of the Green Day, the final Green Day song on the Insomniac album was written about you. What's that song? Walking Contradiction. contradiction. No. Do as I sing, not as I do because of shit. so deep, camera on the way. I beg to differ on the contrary, agree with every word that you say. I know every word to that song. Talking Yeah. Lies are expensive. My while is fat and so is my head. Hit and run and then I'll eat you again. Anyway. Who who sings that again, Gaz? Green Day. Yeah. Can you keep it that way? Oh, I walked straight into that one didn't I I'm burnt I'm burned. I'm burned.
1: <laughs> anyway I think that's probably a good spot to wrap up for the week Um good spot earlier on <laughs> if I'm honest <laughs> um, yeah as always you know drop us a review if you've enjoyed it if you haven't keep Done. it quiet <laughs> and um, you know get subscribed tell a friend all that stuff we'll see you at the bank soon help the imps
2: Talk the imps